scene of people because like you don't really get that in a nine to five setting uh when the mayor asked to borrow your cab at an event you kind of do double take but john daly took it for about an hour one time just to ride people around so it's kind of cool yeah uh, we get the athletes around a lot um, we've gotten politicians and so like when there's session going on we usually get them out for that um just really cool to see who hops in and just what happens with yeah. the, on the bike so it's just been fun to see like just the people aspect from fiori communications it's how i got here a show of inspiring stories from tallahassee area leaders business owners and neighbors all the challenges, opportunities, inspirations, the twists and turns of life that led them to where they are today. Everyone has a story worth telling, and I am really grateful that we get to bring a few of them to you. I truly have been changed by my conversations with these amazing people, and I'm confident you will be too. I'm Dave Fiore. In this episode, I speak with Mike Goldstein, Tallahassee native and ardent supporter of all things local. Mike is the owner of Capital City Pedicabs, the short-distance transportation choice of many FSU athletes, local VIPs, and anyone looking for a fun way to get around campus and downtown. He also provides a safe way for students to get home after a long night out. Mike shares his thoughts on a growing Tallahassee, the scooter invasion, his fondness for comic books and karaoke, and how he has adapted for success during the COVID shutdown and beyond. If you've ever been to an event downtown or a chamber activity, you've probably seen Mike working his networking magic to make connections and build relationships. We started with how Mike would describe himself today. I'm very community-driven and legacy and tradition. It just kind of all rolls into one. So it's been a weird journey just kind of figuring out what you're trying to do when you get up every day and make, make it count when you get out there. So what kind of things do you think about when, you think, when you're waking up and thinking about trying to make it count? Every day is going to be an adventure, just kind of figure out how best to explore and kind of go from there. And I never know what's going to happen each day, which is kind of awesome about what I do. So it's been cool to kind of see how that unfolds. Yeah. Okay, great. So you grew up in Tallahassee, yep. right? Tell me what, what's that been like um, living here most of your life? It's been kind of interesting seeing the city unfold because like, I know like 20 plus years ago, it was all warehouses down in Madison Street and just kind of, they've burned a lot of hotels and a lot of, everything's kind of evolving at the pace faster than we're used to right now because it's just kind of i grew up on the north side and now it's all kind of blending together it's all kind of converging into a whole bigger city at this point and yeah. it's been cool to see kind of the evolution of what's going on around us all right so growing up in tallahassee you obviously lived with your parents so, yeah <laughs> barbara and ron yeah. tell me tell me about your mom and dad um they're they're awesome uh, i mean they're not paying me to say it right now so that's <laughs> the best part but it's just, you know, we had a typical family. I have a, young, a younger sister who got married last year, and so normal family gr- growing up and just uh, cool to really see. My dad was in real estate. Mom's a director of a nonprofit now. So, what, Did they do something different when you were younger? Uh, Mom was going to school for nutrition, and Dad worked for the state. So they've kind of broken off from that and t- did different paths now. What was life like for you growing up in Tallahassee, just kind of? I know you said it was kind of a normal family thing, but what are what are some things that stick out to you? Um, just being on Northside, I was very sheltered just to be on that part of the, the city. And then now growing up and kind of seeing more of the other side of the city, kind of 
interesting to see the, the dynamics of north and south and then how it kind of converges on the train tracks and just different parts yeah. of the city kind of. So you grew up, see when you say north, you're talking Killarney Yeah, area. I was in the Killarney Estates area growing right. up. And so um, I was very sheltered at that point, not really realizing what's on the south side and everything going on. And now being more part of the community now, I can kind of see the divide, but also people being more unified about it. Okay. So what kind of divisions are you talking about? Economic, Economic racial, yeah, a little bit opportunity, both. like what, yeah, what all, kind of stuff? all three of those. So now that I'm more involved in the community, I can kind of see the different sides of the city and how they've kind of divided, but also unified each other. So it's been interesting to see that part because I didn't really get to see a lot of that growing up. Sure. So how does that, how has that changed your perspective on things when you think about Tallahassee as a whole? It's definitely more uh, eye-opening when you know, like, the crime rate's growing and everything like that. So I've got I work more on the um, college area, so I kind of see more of that side of it. But right. it's just still interesting to see because even Northside's kind of gotten bigger with the Wolani and everything going on over there. So it's just uh, every day we're just kind of getting bigger at this point. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so for school, I know you went to W.T. Moore Elementary, yep, right? Yep, thanks. <laughs> and then um, Swift Creek Middle School. Yep. So what was um, what was it like for you during those early school years? Were you a good student? Did you like school? You know, yeah. Tell um, me about that. Overall, it went well. I actually was part of the um, good choir, and then uh, I did the multimedia as a media aid and actually got to be part of the news show on Swift oh, Creek. Fine. So yeah. did like, movie segments and all that from the last five minutes of the day, so that's kind of cool. Math and science were not my best, but I made it work and got through it. So, Me neither. That's yeah. why I'm in this line of business. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, good. All right. So then you went to uh, Lincoln High School for yep. a while, right? Yeah. A couple then, years, yeah, did first two years there, then transferred to Sale. Okay. Why did you end up transferring to Sale? Um, just had some medical stuff going on, and it wasn't the best fit with the standard schooling at that point. Okay. So it worked out better with transfer and definitely uh, paid off in the end. Well, great. So for people who aren't real familiar with what SAIL is, tell me about what what SAIL High School is, how it benefits certain students, and how it how it worked out sure. well for you. I believe it stood for the School for Applied and Individualized Learning at that point. And uh, Roseanne Wood was my principal at that point, at that time, and she was there from the get-go. Uh, she's now a school, school board member, which is awesome. But it's more of a, a one-to-one learning opportunity and focused on the students. And so you can, like, call your teacher by their first names, and really it's casual but really uh, more efficient at some points too. And it's uh, just not really a charter school, but it's kind of a one of those public schools that's kind of on the back burner of people's minds, but it's really a focus on the students more and yeah. just helps them with their different learning styles. Sure. So you found that to be a better fit for you? It was, yeah. It took a while to get over there, but once we did, it was a natural fit. That's great. So after you graduate from Sale, yep. you go on to Tallahassee Community College. Yeah, right? I spent a good tenure there, so I was figuring out what I wanted to do, and okay. finally got a graphic design degree a couple years, like maybe seven years too late, but it worked out. And uh, I focused more on the business side of that, so I can still do uh, minor layouts, but it's just uh, they had some good business classes in that program as well, and that's kind of where we got to the get into the business at that point and right. got more involved with that. So tell me about the graphic design. Was that something that you had a lot of interest in or enjoyed doing, or how did you get to that? I actually got tired of the general studies, so I had to find something that would work at that point. So I okay. um, got to the point of, well, I need to do some kind of schooling, and it worked out that way. So I do have an AS in graphic design after that and some uh, certifi- certifications. But it just seemed like a better fit because I did most of the general studies and just had to find something at that point. But uh, I've always grown up with comic book art and just really 
a big fan of that. So that was kind of my push to, to get that going. And okay. yeah, it just worked out and seemed to be a good fit. I saw on your Facebook profile that you have done some freelance graphic design. Yeah, um, I was contracted a couple of times for some businesses as well, and I do mostly layouts, so I can uh, really fine-tune the, um, the pictures and like where they would go on a flyer and things yeah. like that. So, uh, and every year for the pedicab company, we'll do a, a holiday um, like little collage. I do those and just did one of that like a couple weeks ago too. Oh, so, nice. yeah, get that going. And that's fun. Do you still enjoy doing that? I do. It's um. It's a good little way to distract sometimes as well, just to kind of get out of the busyness of everything. Sure. Yeah, I do that. I'm not much of an artist, but I do uh, enjoy jumping into Canva sometimes. Yeah. And if I have those preset templates that allow me to just move colors and pieces around, that I think that's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's no, a good way to just kind of de- debrief every now and then. Right. All right, so after you graduate from TCC, and I don't know it, if you immediately start at Target or was there a time in between or did you jump straight into working there? Um, I think I was doing some of the Target stuff during college at that point and so it got a little strenuous to try and balance the work and the school work so that kind of was why it took longer at TCC but yeah, I did Target for about seven or eight years and that was probably five too many at that point. (laughs) (laughs) So at that point, was it just the Target on Appalachian Parkway? Was the one in Killarne area? I was at the one in Killarne. You were, okay. Because it was right by home at that point, so it worked out better. So what did you do there? um, Ended up, by the end of it, just doing about everything. I did sales floor, uh, cafe, uh, carts, cashier. So just kind of did a little bit of everything at that point. I made the mistake once of wearing a red shirt and khakis to there by accident, and, and people you, started yeah. asking me questions. You could have so. told them they wouldn't have known the difference at that point. <laughs> so, yeah, I I've, haven't I've, made that mistake again because I don't know where to – well, yeah. I, actually, I do because I'm there enough. I could probably <laughs> answer most of the questions. Sure, and I only change it every couple months. So <laughs> Yeah. So, um, so tell me about that experience. I mean, you know, seven, eight years in retail and customer service and everything. I mean, that had to have taught you Yeah, it a actually lot, right? it trained me to be more customer service savvy for what I meant, where I am now, which is nice. So right. not knocking the retail world, but it definitely is draining at some point. You don't get your holidays with your families too often. And you, uh, it's a lot of late hours sometimes too with the cleanup and everything. But yeah, it was a good experience overall just to kind of grow from that. Yeah. All right, so you leave Target after a long time. Yep. And um, so you go to your – I want to just kind of get the timeline. So you're at Target, and then at some point your dad acquires or creates – He started Capital the LLC, City yeah. Company. So 2012, uh, he said, hey, I'm going to do this crazy idea. And we're like – we're all thinking, what's, we don't know what's going to happen. But he went through the, uh, the former um, Economic Development Council's program. Yeah, the and, entrepreneur program. Yeah, so he went yeah. through that and – I'm still doing school in Target at the time. Everyone's like doing their own thing. And he's like, hey, we're starting pedicabs. I'm like, what? So, Did you even know what a pedicab was? I'm sure I've seen them around, but yeah, we weren't really I mean, too familiar at that point. And yeah. at first we're like, what? Sure, I guess he's trying this crazy idea. And that was a reaction a lot of people got from him. <laughs> but uh, about 2012, we formed the LLC. We rocked and rolled uh, Valentine's Day 2013. I was still bouncing Target at that point. So I'd, I'd leave from work at Target. To help him with the pedicabs and then vice versa and you know on and right. off at that point but uh my sister graduated college and i'm like eh, i'm gonna peace out so my boss she wasn't interested in pedaling a bike no but um my boss at target got wind of it and said hey just quit your choice in now i'm like sure yeah that works so uh about 2015 or 16 i got more involved with the company at that point and now we're just kind of he he got tired of it and i took over 2018 right Okay, so tell me about when you start doing it. So how many 
how many pedicabs did the company start with? We started with seven. Seven. Yeah. All right. And so you actually obviously have to hire people to ride those. Yep. You were one of the drivers at that point that your dad hired? Not at first. I was more of the uh, operations and logistics okay, side so of it. So scheduling people yep. and yeah, and you know, as opposed to Uber or something where you book it. Right. So you're you're at a location. People are trying to get from one place to another. So explain to me how so, the pedicab business works. So for the most part, we um, if we're out at a certain spot, people see us flag us down like a taxi, um, or they'll book us ahead of time and. Just for, like, for game days, we get a lot of traffic. And okay. then uh, overall, we've gotten events over the years, like weddings and, and birthdays and all that um, pizzazz. But it's just kind of a uh, location, location like real estate. you got to be at the right spice at the right time. So it's just uh, when we first started, people didn't know who the hell we were, and now people know who we are. So it's kind of a right interesting changeover. And so now we're just trying to get more staffing at this point. But it's just been a weird growing problem we've yeah. developed. So. So how does that have you do you use college students mainly to to ride the bike? Yeah, so with the events being down, it's been a little harder to get people and sure. a lot of their stuff is virtual, so it's been kind of a uh, weird way to get stuff going, but I've actually worked with a lot of college students as well to try and get people too. So it's yeah. been a good little dynamic. What's the pay model for the customers? How does that part work? So um, we started doing a tip based when we first started, and now it's more of a flat rate situation when they hop on. So that way, and they, they also do tip well as well, but it's kind of gotten to the point where we can kind of set our own rates at that point and say, hey, you're going here. Well, it's going to be X amount in that from right. there. So. so what is the typical distance of a ride for somebody? Uh, about a mile and a half at the furthest. So we've okay. gone like College Town to like within the Gain Street apartments and all that or like for game day, the stadium to um, end of Gain Street type of situations. Okay. Yeah. And we'll do downtown winter's events again, but right. it's been kind of down with all that. There are a lot of hills downtown. How does uh, how does that work we, out? We uh, go up empty, so that helps at least. And then uh, <laughs> down, we usually get people on the way down. But we've okay. done uh, springtime, we've done the Winterfest, and uh, the Cascades movie nights and all that. So right. that's been. So yeah. how do people react to it? Do they like it? Oh, yeah. A lot of people enjoy it. They actually um, prefer the adventure of it instead of waiting on Uber. They'll, wait for, they'll look for us a lot sometimes, yeah. too. So I just think about how hard it looks to bike, to pull people sitting in something. And I'm sure there's some physics that make it like a wheelbarrow or yeah, something that so makes it easier. But tell me about the physical part of it. It's a three-wheel trike frame, so it's easier than it looks. Um, it's 21-geared, so you can switch it up when you need to. And the customer is usually understanding about the weight ratio. And when it's throw 20s at you, it kind of helps <laughs> yeah. as well. But, um, yeah, we mostly stay flat and – don't get too many uh, heavy rides at that point. Has it helped you be in better shape, I be- would imagine? Before COVID, yeah. I mean, getting the weight back a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, COVID doesn't count. We'll talk before COVID. <laughs> yeah, but no, I actually lost a lot of weight uh, over the years doing it myself. So I picked yeah. up the uh, – the first time I did it was actually – I remember about five years ago I hit that train rally for Amtrak. Yeah, yeah. So I, I couldn't get find any drivers to do it. So I said, well, might as well do it myself now. So that's what got me to initially start doing getting out there myself. And okay. so we store these uh, over by the Palace Saloon yeah. off of Jackson Bluff. So I had to get it from there to the um, gain, to the Amtrak station for that. I was going to ask you how they move around. So how do the how do the pedicabs get from one place to another? Uh, if it's within the distance, we'll just ride it ourselves within two miles or we'll um, usually get with folks to get us around. So like we've done events at TCC, at the old pavilion, at the mall. So we'll usually either get U-Hauls or get folks to help us get them around at that okay. point. So what have you enjoyed most about, and we'll get to the ownership part in a minute, but sure. in, in before you took it over, 
what was your favorite part of being involved? Um, this kind of goes with taking over too, but just the scene of people because like you don't really get that in a nine to five setting. Uh, when the mayor asked to borrow your cab at an event, you kind of did double take, but John Daly took it for about an hour one time just to ride people around, so it's kind of cool. Yeah, uh, we get the athletes around a lot. Um, we've gotten politicians, and so like when there's session going on, we usually get them out for that. Um, just really cool to see who hops in and just what happens with yeah. the, on the bike. So it's just been fun to see like just the people aspect. Right. That's kind of fun. And so do you enjoy the kind of hobnobbing with the VIPs around town? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I've met a lot of people doing it. I've made a lot of connections. So it's just been really cool to just kind of see what happens from being out and about. Yeah. It sounds funny. And obviously, I mean, I follow you on social media. I see that people are always having a great time and it looks like a fun thing. And I also see that you you know, you help support it by advertising. So you have um, like boards on the back with ads. Yeah, Tell we, me how that part works. Uh, so we have uh, advertising opportunities on the back of the bike, the front of the bike, and our uh, company shirts. So with the shirts, they're actually right in their people in the passengers' faces. They'll see the logos on the back, and that's kind of cool. But then with the banners on the front and the back, we'll, we'll social um, share it and just tag the uh, companies that are with us as well. And a lot of times they'll recognize the, the people that are with it. Like uh, we've done Max's Stakes, the new spot, and college in call street and then mm-hmm. um we actually did uh with election year we do we always get a couple um candidates to get their banners on there too so that's been a good recurring every couple of years we get politicians to advertise for their uh, campaign and we actually had one this year it's kind of funny we had uh two folks going for the same seat on and off with a different week or so so it's the first time that's happened for us or yeah i won't say who but we've had competing a, candidates yeah that's the first time we had that happen but um <laughs> We do. We've gotten restaurants, um, festivals, and they actually like people will do double takes and ask about it. So it's cool because if we're out and about, they'll kind of inquire. So it's up to us to educate them on the advertisers at that point as well. Right. Things are cranking along. So you took over. Well, let's back up a little bit. You took over in 2018, right? The yep. end of 2018. Yeah, I think he was trying to pawn it on me eventually at that point. It was just, that took it over. The, so you that. guys had a conversation and, and did you approach your dad or did he come up it to was, you with the idea? It uh, was kind of mutual because like he was trying to think slowly get that in my idea in my head and I finally got accustomed to really getting involved and it just, I think the stars aligned it worked out at that point because he was kind of burned out and I was just ready to get more involved and take over. So, so how do you like being a business owner? That's a different deal than just working for the company right? yeah it's uh it's a lot harder than it looks on paper i'll tell you that right now and i mean you're doing this now and you've gotten yeah. a lot of stuff what's going on with you but it's uh it's fun it's, it's exhausting exhilarating kind of all at once it's been a fun ride so far and just uh it's, you gotta figure out how to make money that's the main thing right <laughs> yeah that's always the bottom line you can do a lot of good stuff but yeah. you gotta have money coming in yeah so speaking of that yeah things are cranking along you're you know, you're doing well, you're doing pretty well, right? In 2019, yeah, beginning of 2020. That first year has been a weird hiccup year because it's like, oh, I have a business. What do I do? And <laughs> it's kind of a situation where it's like everyone knows us, but I got to kind of reel it back a little bit now and just kind of reassess and, and make some changes after that first year because I got a little stir crazy with everything going on. So oh, yeah. we tried laser tag, we tried like all these different things, and it's like, well, that didn't work. So now we got to regroup for this year, and then COVID comes. and it's a whole new ball game at that point. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. So things are <coughs> going, and you're getting used to owning the business. Yep. You know, things you're 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 serving customers, and then March hits, and it's COVID, and 
the whole world gets shut down. Wh- how did you react? I mean, what what happened and what did you do immediately when you knew that there were not going to be people out and about needing rides? I went and got those grants when they got available. That's what I did. Okay. <laughs> um, well, good. That's what yeah. they were there for. Yeah, because yeah. like I literally the OAV one came out, then Leon cares. So it's like, all right, it's going to be a weird year. So I got to figure out how to adapt to that. And I picked up extra work along the way, but it's like for the business, you got to figure out, got to keep it going somehow. So it's like I saw the opportunities and just kind of went for them. Okay. So, so how are you doing now? Um, we're definitely doing a lot better than we were in March. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, I guess when the governor sent us said open up, that's what we did. So we, we're getting back at it slowly. Football's helping, even though the score is not so hot these days, but, yeah. uh, we're still getting rides for the games. So that's been good. You're seeing opportunities as businesses, restaurants are opening back up. There's more activity downtown. Obviously, it's different. Not as many people. People are wearing masks. So it's not like we're back to normal, but enough is happening that you can we're move getting, some people around. We're getting back out there. And um, I've actually gotten crazy with the merchandising opportunities because we've gotten those going. Um, we're getting hats, lanyards, and shirts. And even the sponsored shirts, we'll sell those. But then there's ones of me now. Uh, my friend did a scare catcher, and that's been going well. But... So we've adapted to adjusting when we're, how how long we're out, but also just the kids and a lot of people are just loving the shirts, and that, they didn't think that'd be a thing, but merch sells. So that's been a new avenue for us, and it's just been kind of crazy adapting that way. But yeah, that's been a, a continuous stream right now too. Yeah, that's great. That's uh, one of those business pivots, right? Yep. You have to look for different ways to uh, get the revenue stream. Up. Yep. So the grants helped us get through the year, but now the rev- the uh, merchandise is going to keep us going too. Because if we're not giving rides, we can still get the merchandise out. So that's right. pretty good too. And we'll probably regroup in the spring and try and get more drivers. But it's been kind of hard with all the stuff going on. Sure. Hey everybody, just wanted to take a quick break to tell you about the Tallahassee Love Book, featuring 101 ways to love local. It's full of places to eat, shop, and play. Services that make your life better and even podcasts that connect you with local people. You can find them in businesses and offices all over town. There's also a Facebook group where these businesses are sharing their appreciation for you, offering various perks and prizes. The group is called TLH Lovebook Insiders. Check it out on Facebook today. So tell me about your relationships with the FSU athletes and how all that came to be and what that means to you? Um, as a kid, I wasn't really athletic growing up. I mean, I did t-ball and like little things like that. But as I was getting more involved with the company, I just kind of hang around the stadium too much and kind of became part of it, especially with like baseball and football. It's been kind of weird. I'm actually now part of the animals of Section B with the whole thing. So that's been... Do you sit with the animals? I do, yeah. Especially oh, like... It's awesome. It's been kind of crazy being part of that, but... Can you sing the Canadian national anthem? I'm learning it as I go. Yeah, it's been <laughs> been fun with the whole flag thing, but yeah, yeah, that's a whole other conversation for another day. But that's been cool being a part of that group, and then yeah. just uh, even like for practice rides or even getting them back home safe at night. It's been really cool to just be part of it because they kind of look up to me for some reason. I'm just happy to be part of that whole group. And how long have you been doing that with the with the cabs? A couple of years now. Yeah, because once I got more involved and started doing it, we'd get through with FSU and we're part of their transportation options, which is awesome that we got to that point. But uh, a lot of the cops were for us for rides. I'm actually pretty tight with the off-duty cops at night now, too. So it's been good to really get with the law enforcement folks and then the athletes and really just the whole nightlife scene in itself is kind of crazy, too. So from where to where are you talking about with the athletes? Um, 
practice drives to their cars. They're kind of tired at that point. But, right. um, so they leave the field yeah. or, or leave they, the locker room? Yeah, they just look for me again afterwards. and then <laughs> I'm sure they probably don't feel like running or walking. No, which is, I guess, a good testament to the program, which is nice that they're getting their, their wicks in. But sure. then at night, uh, we get a lot of people home safe at night too, which is really cool to be, have that going for us because just helping them not get the UIs is really cool too. Yeah, so tell me about that. I mean, the experience of – you know, even designated drivers or whatever, I mean, the best situation is to not be in a car after people have been drinking. So this is an option that safely gets people home and you, and you're a part of, you know, you're a big piece of that. So, so tell me about that. Well, we've all been young and dumb. So we did our time at that point, but now I get to just watch the show instead of being a part of it, but just being able to be out from 12 to two 30 and getting them home safe is really cool. And it's a lot cheaper than Uber and really better than DUI at that point. So it's just getting them back home. And so, how do the students react? Do they are they excited to see you and glad that oh, you're yeah, there? Oh yeah, they. Uh, I was actually out last night. Funny enough, so um, yeah, just got them even for a block or two. They don't want to walk at that point, and so it's just they're really happy to not have to deal with either walking or driving at right. home. So that's been cool. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but that's pretty cool. I mean, I know on on your Facebook page you talk about you know being an alternate an alternative to you know, putting yourself in danger in a vehicle. And um, so I know that's important to you. And it's, we can be on a sidewalk a lot too, so we can avoid the flow of traffic at that point. So it helps out. But uh, we actually can, anywhere bike can go, we're good to go too. So that works out in our favor. Tell me about the scooter invasion and how you feel about that. They're still here. They got approved uh, to be here long-term now. So it's been interesting. I'm not knocking it. I've actually, uh, when it first started, I'd get rides to the scooters so people would have to walk to them. So I, made, I found a way to monetize it, which there is great because uh, even twist. when the scooters die, like they're battery charged, so I'm there to pick people up at that point. So I'm not against them. I'm just against the people that ride them sometimes because they, they end up. I saw someone crash yesterday on it. So that's that not right. good. But a lot of people know what you do and have recognized that and appreciate that. And last year, I was actually there when you were awarded a Trendsetter Award from Working Class Wednesday, Terrence yeah. L. Barber, a previous podcast guest, actually okay, one of cool. the original four. Yeah, good for him. Um, yeah, so tell me about that award and what it was, what it was for, and what that meant for you, what it meant to you to receive it. So Terrence is an interesting character. He hit me up one day, hey, I need a picture. I'm like, okay, sure. So next thing I know, I'm on his flyer for his third anniversary for, his, uh, for Working Class Wednesday, Third or fifth, I can't keep up. But um, basically, I'm on there with a bunch of other folks that are getting honored. And it was kind of cool because I don't really get recognized too often for what I do. But it's just awesome to have that. My family came out for the event, and it was just nice to really be appreciated for what you get out there for. Yeah. And I think the idea with the other people who who received the awards are just people in the community who are being innovative and doing different things to try to, you know, build up the community, support local, all that kind of stuff, which – certainly been part of what what you've been you know a part of yeah i thought i was ride a bike but i guess it's more than that sometimes <laughs> yeah yeah for sure so we're going to come back to a couple other things in a minute but i know that pedicabs are not your only interest mm-hmm. number one is comic books and it says you've been to a comic con too yeah i've been to a few over the years just yeah. kind of uh interesting now with again covid it's mostly online but I uh, at sale. I actually convinced uh, one of the teachers to sponsor us to go down for Comic Con, and my dad tagged along too. But it was our first one to go to as a club trip, so it was kind of cool to go down. Where there. Where was it? Uh, Miami. Okay. Yeah, so it was exciting to go there, and 
actually, I met some people from there I'm still friends with over the years. So it's been nice to just get out for those and they're a nice little break from, from everything going right, so on. So for people who may not know what Comic-Con is, give me a quick description of, of what it what it's all about. It's a convention. You go and meet people, but you can see like uh, pop culture icons and uh there's a lot of things going on. You can see panels of people discussing their work, get autographs, and all that fun stuff. Okay. So how did you get interested in comic books? Uh, probably from the cartoons I was watching as a kid, and then I went back and started reading the books, too. So I'd watch the Spider-Man and X-Men cartoons on Fox when they had that, and just kind of kept it going. With, and now the movies are out now, too, so it's right. been a whole back and forth with all that. Are those some of your favorites, Spider-Man, X-Men? Yeah, those are the ones I grew up on, and I've been more of a Marvel guy, so that's been yeah. good. Another area that I, I've heard that you're very interested in is singing karaoke. So tell me about that. Do you do you enjoy singing in front of other people? What is it about karaoke so that you like? So I actually got involved with that from a Comic-Con, because that's where I started doing those, actually. They had that when I went down there. Okay. Then I went back up to Tallahassee from a, t- a trip and just Googled it on here. And back when AJ's was here, that's they had karaoke night at AJ's Sports Bar, and so I did that a lot. And actually, um, before again, before COVID, I'd go out and do it at Kusha's in College Town in between rides. So that's kind of cool, too. So w- I got to ask, what what were your favorite songs to sing? Uh, I'll do uh, I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred. I get that one going from the 90s. Um, that's, a, that's a classic. Yep. And then uh, just I'll do some of the new stuff. I'll do that and a lot of Disney's too. So Okay. So wide variety of yeah. musical taste there. Yep. So do you get do you get nervous at all or do you like singing in front of strangers or your friends or does it not matter? It doesn't matter. I'm just out there to have a good time and just have some fun. So it works yeah. out. Good. Do you get good reactions? Yeah, a lot of the kids will film me on our Snapchats too. It's kind of funny. So I get that a lot with the college kids. But yeah, no, it's been good overall. Good. That sounds fun. Yep. I know you like to dance, and that you said you've been, you've actually won a dance off at some point. Yeah, still get recognized for those. Um, just kind of, they throw down a gauntlet, I'll throw it back at them. So it's been fun to just get out there, and it's. I've been to the chamber conferences too, and done it there too. So. Yeah, I have witnessed that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So. Um, where do you learn your dance skills from? I don't know. I don't think it's my parents. I know that much, but um, <laughs> have you ever you never seen them dance? Not like that. <laughs> yeah, no, they'll find claim otherwise. But yeah, so, do you have a signature move or anything on the dance floor? Ah, uh, I don't know. Just kind of whatever ends up happening seems right. to happen at that point. So, okay. all right. On a more serious note, I know from you know seeing you around town and being at chamber things and and being involved in the business community, especially local. That you are you are a master networker. That you're really yep. good at connecting with people, building those relationships. Just want to know, you know, kind of what your motivation it is about with that. What you like about it? If you enjoy it, tell me about your networking strategies and how that's worked to help you. It's a blessing curse sometimes because I'll be out riding and from people I don't even remember knowing, they just yell at me from the car sometimes. So it kind of. It works in both ways, but it's been nice to be able to go in the room and say, hey, so-and-so, here's someone else you should meet. Or just, if you ever see that show, uh, How I Met Your Mother, yeah, the Barney game, ends up being like that a lot. But yeah, just um, back when we had in-person, a lot of networking events, I just make sure to go like monthly or bi-weekly to a lot of that. Like you mentioned, Working Class Wednesday, I met a lot of people through that and yeah. um, a lot of the chamber uh, networking events. And so it's been just nice to, I'm not shy, as most people can attest to, so it's just more of... A lot of people say if I'm in the room, I can usually connect people within a couple minutes of just being there. So that's been good, too. And it's just a good feeling to be able to make connections and usually refer people a lot, too. Yeah. Do you have any advice for somebody who's 
wants to get started or improve their networking skills, what would what would you tell them to be better at that? Just get out there. Don't be shy about it because you could miss the opportunity if you don't go for it. Right. So how has networking helped you build your business with the pedicabs? Um, I've gotten a lot of events and drivers and advertisers just from people knowing us and being out because if I'm on campus and they see a banner, I'll actually get asked, how do we get on there? And so we had a club down under a couple years ago. And then the Career Center and then the International Programs folks all saw us and asked about it. So really just as far as in our case, we're riding around. People see the advertising opportunity and they'll just ask about it and how to get on there. So we get a lot of that. And just yeah. um, we, I do uh, – we work with a, lot, with a lot of nonprofits as well. And so that it feels good to give back. And um, we just really – it's just cool to be part of a bigger picture. Yeah. Tell me about the giving back part. What, what are some things you're involved with? Um, so we've been with Big Ben Cares. We worked with Artopia a couple of times. Uh, we do Hank Tough Foundation every year for their uh, field day. We've done a few things for Herc, my mom's nonprofit. So yeah. we've done with that. Um, and so what is tell tell me what Herc is? Uh, the Holocaust Education Resource Council. So they provide uh, resources for teachers around the state to get them uh, educated for Holocaust education for the students. And uh, we've done Shakespeare Festival. Um, Chain of Parks are going to help with them this year, but we'll be with them next year when the new one comes around. And, right. And again, most of it is just a lot of people know us, so they reach out, or I'm just really good good with uh, a lot of the executive directors as well. Yeah. You know, you're a huge champion for supporting local business. You're a great cheerleader for the local business community, always encouraging people to support, visit, you know, restaurants, businesses, shops, whatever it is. So tell me why that is so important to you. You know, why it's so important to support local businesses. I just only seen places close because especially during this time, um, a lot of folks will come back for the holidays and they'll like usually go to their usual uh, watering holes or their usual places to go to. And it's just disheartening to see places when they close down. And just uh, it's rewarding when you see that you're helping out and really supporting a lot of places. Uh, just quick plug for Railroad Square and Tallahassee Beer Society and places like that. Like they help out in a lot of ways and – the first Friday is not happening right now. It's just been kind of weird with all yeah. that. So it's been a downer, but we'll get through it. And again, with all the festivals being postponed and a lot of events kind of till next year, it's just kind of getting through and helping them out any way we can. Yeah. Mike, what do you want people to most know about you? I just go for it. You don't really need to tell me twice to jump in the river. I'll go swimming at that point probably. But yeah, I'm just very um, humble, but also I'm just really going for what's out there. So it's just nice to kind of be there for people and support when I can. Yeah. So looking back, what is one thing or person that changed or altered the trajectory of your life to this point? I guess I go with my dad because without him, we wouldn't be where we are. And I got here because of him. So <laughs> literally uh, to the full 180 to get the credit caps going. When you think back a few years ago and, you know, maybe not sure about what you're going to do. And now here you are a uh, you know, you're owning a successful business, you have employees, you're running all that, you're making business decisions, trying to carry on a legacy that your dad started. I mean, what does that mean to you? It's a lot. And like, it's just waking up every day in the mirror saying, what am I going to do today? And just going out and going for it. So it's a, it's a game changer for sure. Yeah. This podcast is named How I Got Here. And we've talked about how you got to this point in your life. Where do you think here might be for you in the next three to five years? I'll still be in Tallahassee, I know that much. Um, we'll be at the point where we're probably having the cabs out six, seven hours a day just throughout different spots around town, which is nice to just divide up and get out there because people, people know us, which we didn't have that first. So 
think we'll have more of a presence than we do now. Do you see yourself doing this for a long time? For the immediate future and maybe 10 more years, we'll see. But I mean, if you go to other cities, a lot of people like retired folks to get out just to do it for fun. And I've had uh, guest drivers actually do it. We do a nonprofit share called right. uh, Pedal for a Cause, where we can have people just chip in and basically all the tips will go to a nonprofit of their choice. So kind of like the guest bartending, but guest yeah. pedaling. Yeah. And I had the mayor do it once on a whim. So they, uh, at the Experience Tallahassee Festival a couple years ago, uh, Elizabeth Emanuel was like, hey, the mayor's trying to find you. I thought he needed a ride. He just wanted to borrow the bike for an hour. So yeah. he told me he was insured at the end, so that's good at least. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's cool to just kind of have that kind of stuff going. So we've had people do that every year. So they just kind of borrow it for fun. And then, um, yeah, I think long-term I'll be, I'll be going as long as I can. So That was Mike Goldstein. If you ever need a ride around downtown, want to talk FSU sports, or want an introduction to Tallahassee's movers and shakers, Mike would be a good place to start. Thanks for listening to the show. You can subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. It really does make a difference. Thanks to my amazing staff at Fiori Communications, who pick up the slack while I'm working on these podcasts, and to Troy Bloom for composing our theme music. You can hear more of Troy's creations on Facebook and Instagram at Troy Bloom Music. To connect with the podcast or suggest a future guest, follow us on social media or email us at podcast at fioricommunications.com.